IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. IndyCar and NASCAR taking off the next two weeks to allow its television broadcast partner, NBC, to cover the Olympic Games from Tokyo. IndyCar's next race will be a big one. The Big Machine Records Music City Grand Prix on the streets of Nashville, Tennessee, the weekend of August 8th. The teams, however, are hard at work preparing for the final six races of the season. On Tuesday, July 20th, all four drivers from Andretti Autosport, all four drivers from Team Penske, and the two regular drivers at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing tested at WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca in Monterey, California. That will be the site of the next to last race of the 2021 season on September 19. The four drivers from Andretti Autosport included 2012 NTT IndyCar Series champion and 2014 Indianapolis 500 winning driver Ryan hutter Ray, Alexander Rossi, Colton Herta, and James Hinchcliffe. Team Penske's drivers included two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion Joseph Newgarden, 2014 IndyCar Series champion and 2018 Indianapolis 500 winner Will Power, 2016 IndyCar champion and 2019 Indy 500 winner Simon Pagano, and rookie driver Scott McLaughlin. Rahal Letterman Lanigan drivers Graham Rahal and two-time Indy 500 winner Takuma Sato also participated in the test at Laguna Seca. This week's show features an in-depth interview with four-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver Elio Castroneves of Meyer Shank Racing. With his dramatic and emotional victory in the May 30, 105th Indianapolis 500, Castroneves became the fourth four-time winner of the world's most famous race, joining A.J. Foyt, Al Unser, and Rick Mears in that exclusive and historic group. Here is my interview with Castroneves from his home in South Florida. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, we're honored to have the most recent four-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver join us. It's Elio Castroneves, who despite the fact hasn't been in an IndyCar since that glorious day on May 30th at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you've still been pretty busy in a race car. You won an SRX heat race this past Saturday at Nashville. That series is concluded, but it really looks like you had a lot of fun in the competition against the other drivers in SRX. What was that like for you? Yeah, Bruce, that was really fun. Uh, Again, it's great to be racing something that um different than indycar uh like i said my schedule is a little bit light uh i wish i would be doing the whole full season in indycar but that's what i got 
So I was able to uh, get this deal with uh, with SRX, which was really fun. The cars were different. The car was uh, the tracks were absolutely the root of American racing, which is those short tracks. And I, we did have fun. <clears throat> we all of us uh, worked together. Obviously, we're trying to when you put the helmet on, you forget about friendship. You're just trying to pass. However, still friendship, you know. So well, a couple of uh, incidents along the way, but uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a six-race schedule, and the uh, couple of weeks after you won the Indianapolis 500, uh, before the SRX season began, I recall you and TK, Tony Kanaan, saying that you didn't really expect that much out of each other because the cars were going to be so different, the tracks were going to be so different, but you were able to be pretty competitive from the beginning. Were you surprised by that? I was. Um, I have to be honest. I was. Um, uh, even the speed that we were able to achieve was uh, was not expecting that quick. Um, but in the end of the day, we were figuring it out. Um, that's why I think because being in the tracks that we never been there, I believe probably threw a little bit of a level of uh, of uh, equally uh, or or a little closer to those guys that have experience in this type of cars. Even that it's a new car again. The different dry, uh, tires, but all of these little details were able to help us uh, be a little more competitive. So it was fun. It was, uh, but I was a little surprised. What was the race for you where you said, "Hey, I think that I'm pretty good in these cars, and I think that I can get up there and be racy with these guys." I know the first race was probably a little bit of. Feeling the car out, feeling a lot of the drivers out. I'm not so sure that a lot of drivers, other than Tony Stewart and the ringer that they brought in for that first race, were comfortable in those cars up at Stafford Springs Speedway in Connecticut. But it seems like as the series went on, was there a race where you said, I think I've got this figured out? Well, it's funny. The The place that I thought it was, um, I had a good chance was actually Indianapolis. Uh, the Lucas Oil. I when I won my first heat there, I thought I had a, a interesting scenario. Um, I was saving tires because I was going through what my coach was telling me: save tires, save tires, save tires. But in the end, I didn't think the saving the tire was uh, was enough. We uh, obviously in the end we have a little bit of an accident there, but people would start using, being a little bit of a short temper, but. If I would be at least more two tours to the well, we were in third place. But uh, again, I, I felt that I would have a little more chance if I didn't have to uh, save so much tires. But it was great following the the, the coaching and understanding. It was really cool. And uh, and this past week as well, I really I was I went the opposite way. They were telling me to save tires. I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna go. And uh, definitely, tires were a big deal in the last race. IndyCar drivers fared pretty well in this series. I think that a lot of us probably thought that it would be more favored toward your uh, grassroots type drivers or your NASCAR drivers, people like Tony Stewart, who did win the championship. But Marco Andretti won won a race. I mean, he won one of the features. And you had to feel pretty proud to see an IndyCar driver beat these other guys in this competition. He's special for Marco, you know. Um, I think he's much more relaxed. Uh, no other uh, scenario related to, uh, you know, in the car. And you see that he was able to adapt really well. Um, uh, he did a great job at Slinger. 
very strong on the outside. I was trying to do that, but my car wasn't able to do. I was too loose. But again, that's why it's so much fun because um, it's places that we've never been. And if they do it again next year with different tracks again, I'm sure you'll be another huge success. So that's what it's all about, finding niche uh, to be able to be competitive, uh, to be able to have some racing. Yes, there is some rubbing and uh, pushing, but that's what it's all about. And uh, we're, we're very, I felt very good, and I feel everybody the same way. Was there one track in particular that you really liked uh, over the others in terms of just the fact that you've heard about it your whole career but never really had a chance to race there until SRX? Eldora was one place uh, on dirt. I never thought I was going to be racing on dirt, and it was really fun, uh, very, really challenging, uh, finding grip. The one that was very tough was Slinger. I mean, wow, it, it was so hard because it was so short, and I don't know, it was very difficult. It was one of the toughest ones for me there, but um, Overall, it was uh, challenging because of the amount of the how how big it was those places, which is not. They were so small, and and with those cars, it felt like uh, it, it was it was tough. I was always feel, finishing the race, kind of like, woof, that was a that was something. Yeah, it was it was really cool uh, to have that experience. And also, the uh, you had big crowds at every one of these races, but it really seemed like extra special the series finale at Nashville Fairgrounds Raceway when you saw that packed grandstand. And a lot of the people that came down to see the race, it really had to make you feel like this was really a big event. Well, Bruce, I heard, in fact, on the driver's meeting where Ray was telling us it was the largest crowd since 1967 or something like that. It was it was incredible to hear that uh, and to see the success of the series taking off uh, over a million viewers almost every race. Uh, it was it was amazing. Plus, knowing that we're going to have IndyCar racing in Nashville, what I, what I saw over the weekend, wow. It, it's special where it's going to be, which is not far from where uh, uh, Fairground was. We're going to be riding downtown. It's going to be amazing. I mean, uh, I, I do believe this place in Nashville is going to be one of those races that it, it's going to start from now and it's going to last for a long time. Well, that is a good segue to the uh, next part of the interview. I wanted to ask you a little bit about you haven't driven an IndyCar since you won the uh, Indianapolis 500 for the fourth time in your career back on May 30th. But you're going to return to the NTT IndyCar Series and the Big Machine Records Music City Grand Prix, the next IndyCar Series race on August the 8th. The place, uh, I believe, is already a sellout. They're going to cap the crowd at 60,000 people a day. The schedule looks jam-packed. The fact that there's been that much enthusiasm for this race, can you recall any time in your career where you remember this much excitement heading into a new event? Well, I do remember Rio. The first time was very, very... uh... People were extremely happy to have the race there. Um, what other place? Uh, St. Louis, not too many years ago, was something like that as well. Big buzz. This is going to be uh, an incredible place that people really uh, looking for, and uh, I am looking for. Obviously, as you mentioned, being so long away from uh, from driving a race car in the car, 
certainly it, it required a little bit of time, but I, with those cars, it was the same thing. We used to do 20 laps and figure it out during the race, and probably that's what's going to happen with IndyCar as well. And uh, But I'm excited. Excited to be back with the new sponsor, Transcard, uh, in the car and um, and back again with MSR, MSR uh, family. So it'll be, it'll be cool. You were talking about new events. Uh, you could probably throw San Paulo in there and also Baltimore because those two uh, mm-hmm. had a lot of anticipation for their first races. But it really seems when you look at the ownership group that's been put together for this race, this is a street race. This could be the beginning of – say we're long you know a long beach grand prix or a st petersburg grand prix mm-hmm. type race and the fact that the ownership group is so solid and the uh, community is so behind this race that this could really be the start of something big you said it all the community and the group uh of uh, the investors are behind this are i i went there to promote actually friday uh the race and the community is behind and when you have that when you have the people in the city and the, the, the county and everyone involved and supportive, it's very difficult not to be uh, uh, the, this event to be successful in, in the future. Just like you mentioned, Long Beach and St. Petersburg, I do believe this is going to be one of the events that's going to stay forever. What were some of the cool things you got to do on Friday to promote the race? I know they had you pretty busy down there doing a lot of appearances and functions, but what are some of the cool things you got to do? Well, Music City was really cool. Uh, the the uh, museum, uh, seeing those cars, uh, Elvis Presley's car, and uh, the the record labels, uh, the, the the platinum and gold uh, disc, which was really really cool. Um, um, again, uh, visiting the kids, uh, giving them the hope that you don't need just to be a race car driver; you can be part of a big race team, being an engineer, being a, a, a manager of the team, crew chief, and, and etc. Um, I, I mean, honestly, it was, it was great. I mean, the city was, was alive, you know, that was really cool to see that. And you mentioned a new sponsor joining you for this race. If you could tell our listeners a little bit about it. Yeah. Transcard is a, a new member of the family of MSR family. Um, and they, uh, they miss a little bit of being uh, with us at Indy 500. Uh, however, they wanted the the whole car this year uh, for uh, for for Nashville. It's actually that's one of the reasons we end up switching our uh, schedule of six races and putting it in Nashville. It's because of that as well. So we're so glad to have them around around us. It's a, it's a new car, and um, uh, yeah, trust me, it will it will. I, I hope they will be extremely happy. New colors, and uh, we're excited to be uh, representing them. And when you think that this race course is going to go over the Korean Veterans Bridge, over the water in downtown Nashville, I'm sure race drivers don't get scared over too many things, but that seems to be a little bit of something that could probably make the bravest of us feel a little squeamish. Yeah, no question. will be a little bit different. Uh, I don't think we, as a driver, are going to be able to see that because, um, I mean, we've seen so long to the ground that uh, we're not, we might not be able to see the the view that people might be, but I do think it's going to create a great sighting for the, for the photographers, the TV. Uh, yeah, it will look really cool. We haven't seen you in a race car, like I said, since the Indianapolis 500, a great day that many of us will remember probably for the rest of our lives. But now we're going to start seeing you more often because you are now 
coming back to the series is probably for the rest of the season, I'm pretty much going to consider you a regular driver. That's true. Except uh, St. Louis is the only place I won't be, but uh, all the rest of it, all the five races I'm going to be around and that would be, uh, that would be cool. That would be a good practice uh, to uh, hopefully go back in next year and for, for the Indy and be ready again. Now, because you are going to be closing the season as a fairly regular uh, driver for the rest of the races, how do things look for next year? You know, Mike and I, Mike and Jim and I, we've been working together, we've been talking, and um, yeah, hopefully um, we can come up with uh, some great uh, positive, uh, you know, opportunities, and um, that's my goal, at least. And, uh, yes, but obviously we're going to focus on those next five races that we have remaining. It's extremely important to keep uh, moving forward for next year. I know it's important to you to try to return as a full-time competitor. How open is Mike and Jim to that possibility? Because I know that their team has shown dramatic improvement every week with Jack Harvey. And having you aboard, you took them to victory lane in the biggest race in the world. How open are they to being able to expand to a full two-car team? I believe we all are. Not only the Mike, Jim, but AutoNation and Sears XM. I mean, considering what we've done together in the in the race, uh, obviously in, in in Indianapolis, I do believe we have a, we have a good opportunity here to to again to co- continue uh, a partnership that we had. Uh, but as of right now, like I said, we're going to continue focus on what we have in, in front of us. Mike, uh, obviously, it's a guy that I'm trusting. Uh, when we when we discuss special after the Indy 500. Uh, I know his plan and uh, so far has been working really well. And I uh, continue to trust me on those plans. You worked so many years with Roger Penske and Tim Sindri, 20 years as a matter of fact, maybe even 21 years count the very beginning. And now to move from an operation like that to a team like Meyer Shank Racing, both teams have a lot in common in the determination and commitment that they give to the sport. Mike doesn't have the resources of a team Penske, but he really puts a lot of his heart and soul into the operation. So how would you compare and contrast those two types of teams? Look, you don't need to, uh, to have 500 and, or 500 plus employees uh, to be successful in, uh, in, uh, in the car series. You know, uh, the way Mike is, uh, he's authentic. He's, uh, he came from, very much nothing and uh, build up a great, incredible group of guys putting together. And that's what I've been telling him. I do feel um, you know, he still can keep his, uh, his authenticity uh, or, or his style. And, uh, but in the end of the day, it's all about people. Like Roger always mentioned, you got to have good people around. Um, he's going to have a great shop in the, in the near future, hopefully by the end of the year. Uh, people are going to be uh, really happy to be working in a great environment, and uh, and with that, you're just gonna that's going to translate to the race team. So there's so so many little details, but the most part, Mike and Jim, uh, they do have a, a plan figured it out. Uh, I do feel this team going to be uh, very very successful. It already is, but it's going to be more regular being successful. Uh, like the big dogs uh, uh, in the near future. So they, I, I do believe this race win in Indianapolis definitely 
definitely uh, open the doors for them to build up on this. And uh, I'm so glad to be part of it. Hopefully I'll be part of it in the future as well. And with that, uh, I do believe we can make Jack uh, and myself again win more races. And and that's what it takes for us to go to the next level. So as of right now, I, I'm excited uh, because um, it's not uh, – I know – it's not a big organization like uh, like Roger, but the potential is it's so much big. And part of the being part of this ride would be so much fun as well. And uh, so I can't wait for the future. I can't wait for the you know we keep working together. And I can't wait for for Nashville because that's uh, that's going to set stones for uh, for for future ahead. Not a lot of people know this, but the inaugural Indianapolis 500 was won in 1911 by Ray Haroon. The very next race after the Indy 500 for those cars way back in 1911 was in Nashville. Hmm. Really? Yes. So, like, like I said, there's not a lot of people that really know that. And when you think of that, Nashville's has had a history with going all the way back to the first Indianapolis 500. Now it's going to be revived with this street race. So there seems to be a certain synergy there in some ways. And Did he win? <laughs> Ray Haroon, I believe, uh, after the uh, first Indy 500, not only was he the first rookie of the uh, first Indianapolis 500, he actually retired from racing after that race because he was the only one in the field that drove it solo. Everybody else had riding mechanics, but he devised the rear view mirror. The first to invent that, by the way. So I think that after that trip, I think that Ray Haroon, although he ended up becoming a, a legendary uh, individual in the automotive world, he did not win the next race. But let's say Elio Castroneves goes down to Nashville, wins that race. How big a prize would that be for you? Oh, that would be tremendous. you kidding me? Uh, that would be incredible. Uh, we have high hopes, uh, Bruce. I wouldn't be going if I didn't ha- feel that I have a, a, a chance and opportunity. Uh, I love street courses. That's my specialty. And um, especially in a place that nobody's actually run. So it'll be new to everyone. So at least we check some of the box that uh, take a sort of an advantage for the others. And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm on it. Uh, I'm just uh, waiting for the right time and Hopefully, things will fall into place. Speaking of high hopes, there were a lot of people, a lot of fans may have had real high hopes for a rookie driver in the series this year, although a lot of the people in the paddock know how hard it is to adapt from one car to another. Talking about Jimmy Johnson, who drives for Chip Ganassi Racing, Carvana, the American Legion, he's shown... Tremendous progress for those of us in racing who understands where he started and where he's at now. He's shown tremendous progress. The fans may have had unrealistic expectations as to what he could do in his rookie year. How do you think he's done so far? What are the areas that you've seen from afar that he's made improvement in? Well, certainly, uh, especially what I just did, which is probably more to his alley, which is the, the SRX. Um, and for him to never run in a, in an open wheel or in that kind of a caliber like an IndyCar, it, it, people don't realize how difficult it is just to be in the field with with people that is do, being uh, born doing this. You know, in my case, it was the same way. Even I, even I, that have the experience, and that's where my roots 
it will be hard for me again to come back and uh, and get right into the rhythm on that unless I keep going and going. Special because practices have been so limited over the years, and and you only learn when you're racing. So what he's done so far, it's remarkable that people don't realize. When once you're a champion, you figure it out. However, like I said, when every track that he's going is new for him, and uh, uh, probably now with some of the road courses is going to start. Even when we did the test in Indianapolis, I mean the guy did a few laps, and and there was so much that the team needs to figure out what he needs and things like that. So it is hard for for someone uh, special coming from a car that has nothing to do with IndyCar and jump into even if it's the best team doesn't matter you know it's very very difficult but what he's done it's it's uh i wish he would have done more ovals because i do feel that could probably uh help him understand and um and give a little bit more of like uh, not confident because i don't think he lacks of that but it's just uh say okay i i know i can do this just the affirmation let's put it this way so as of right now uh incredible um, I do believe if he continues next year, it will be a completely different experience because he now knows the places and that's not going to take too long for him to figure it out. And, and probably he's going to go that click just, just like any open wheel. When you go to the NASCAR world, they take about two, three years to, uh, to understand what they need to do. Or if, because we have so many that try and we're able to figure it out. So. I do believe with uh, with the way he's doing, the way he's working hard, and the way the team is doing, uh, uh, comparing having the best teammates uh, next year would be a much better. But you can't judge um, uh, just be about results. But there is so much goal behind the scenes that uh, I uh, I'm a big fan, a big friend, and uh, obviously we're going to be racing together uh, for the first time now in. Uh, in in Nashville, so let's see how it goes between him and I. I was going to mention that that the Nashville race will be the first time the two of you get to race against each other. When you think of all the great drivers that you've raced against, now you can throw a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion onto that list too. How cool is that for you? Ah, oh, it's tremendous. Uh, just like I was doing SRX, you know, race with Chase Elliott, the current NASCAR uh, champion. Um, uh, obviously all the rest of it, if you're talking about Tony Stewart, I raced with him before <laughs> in, in, in IndyCar, but and then now in, uh, in, and also in, uh, in, uh, uh, IROC series as well with, with, uh, uh Labonte, Bob Labonte as well. And Bill Elliott was my, probably my first time, I think. Uh, I don't remember if he did the IROC as well, Greg Biffle, all this group, you know, Willie T. Reeves, who, who would have thought I would have come back, you know, and, and race with him. So, it's more like that. So I feel this is going to be uh, me uh, meeting him at the SRX, but just two of us, and hopefully we both of us can do well. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. 
Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. The last time you were on the show, we did our interview the day after you won the Indianapolis 500 for the fourth time in your career. Back then, you still felt like it was a bit of a dream. Now that it's been a couple of months later, how does it feel? When did the moment happen to you to where you really realized what the accomplishment was that you had indeed won your fourth Indianapolis 500 to join A.J. Foyt, Al Unser, and your hero, Rick Mears, is the only drivers to do that in the Indianapolis 500. I still believe I'm, uh, I'm in cloud nine, Bruce. <laughs> I still, I still flying high <laughs> every time. I, uh, I kind of, um, yeah, every time I kind of look and somebody send a message or, or, or especially going to the race is talking and seeing pictures from, from the race uh, and signing pictures from the race. It's, uh, it's still surreal. So. No, no. I'll, uh, I, I don't. I, maybe next year. Maybe next year I'll, I'll probably have a better answer uh, on that. But as of right now, I still, I still pretty uh, numb as uh, what we did so far. And it won't be long until you're in Tryon, North Carolina, at William Barron's studio, getting your face sculpted for the Borg Warner Trophy for the fourth time. How big a challenge do you think he'll have to try to make each one of your faces? There's already three on the trophy. Now he's got a fourth face to make it look different. I tell you what, the hairline for sure is uh, is going backwards. <laughs> that's one, that's one place that he can start. You know, I wish he could make the hairline go a lot lower, but uh, nothing I can do about that. Um, I probably a little more wing, uh, wrinkles. Thank God there is no collar uh, on the on the trophy. It's all same same color, <laughs> silver, which is uh, fit perfect. So um, no, I think it's uh, I think he will figure it out pretty good. Well, I've known you for over twenty years, and frankly, your hair has never changed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but your hair has never changed. Speaking of hair, it seems like when it comes to the hair game, the driver that's got it now is a former teammate of yours at Team Penske, Simon Pagano. He looks like he's got the hair game as far as a regular driver, right on par with what you were able to do all those years. I know, I know, but I tell you what, I, I have to think. One day I will have a sponsor for Just for Men because uh, <laughs> they, they, they're the one that are helping me. <laughs> to keep at least the color uh, a little bit mixed and, uh, and in good shape. But, 
it's open games. Obviously, um, uh, we can't hide that, uh, and I won't hide because uh, I feel I'm very proud of the years that I learned. And uh, with all those years, I want to be able to do what I accomplished. So every year passed by, it's something that I learned more, and hopefully we can use that experience to, um, to translate to victories. Well, on the Borg Warner Trophy, I guess you could say every driver on that trophy is a silver-haired driver. <laughs> exactly. So I'm glad I'm, glad I'm part of it. <laughs> and just wrapping up a little bit about the Indy 500, what was one of the coolest congratulations you got? Who did you hear from that uh, we may not have realized you heard from that offered you congratulations? Because I'm sure they just came pouring in afterwards. Yeah, I mean, some of the people, um, as you saw, Myron Reddy, he called me the next day. Uh, uh, Rick Mears, obviously, we, did, we talk afterwards. But Mark Cuban, that was great for him to send me a message. One was really cool uh, was Edison Ford which was really nice. I met through Roger um, several years in Detroit, obviously. And um, yeah, those are the top of my mind that I felt that was uh, unique and fun. And uh, from half of the Team Penske, <laughs> half of my 400 messages was uh, was from Team Penske friends, uh, former mechanics, uh, crew chiefs, and uh, everyone, secretaries, uh, travel agents, which is I love it because we spent so many years together and, uh, and I'm very happy that they were, uh, besides we are, I mean, in a different team, we're still friends. And, uh, that's, that's for me, it means a lot. And I know it's, it's already been 14 years since you won dancing with the stars, but did you hear from any of the people that you competed with or with your, from your dance partner, Julianne Huff? Not Julian Huff. I heard from uh, the the people behind the scene, uh, the casting person that uh, cast me, obviously, and uh, some of the producers and PRs as well. Uh, but Mark Cuban was the only, basically, one that uh, uh, sent me a message, and we're still pretty much in touch. That's probably why. And wrapping up here, I know you've got a lot of a uh, uh, busy day ahead of you or you just want to relax. When you look at the guy that you had to beat to win the Indianapolis 500, Alex Pillow, he's still leading the standings. Uh, kid had a really good race in the Indianapolis 500. If it wasn't for some of that savvy strategy that you were able to come up with, and also the fact that you had a really fast car the entire race, you ran in the top three the whole race. But when you look at a kid like Alex Pillow, where he's come from, what he's doing now with Chip Ganassi Racing, how difficult do you think he will be for any driver to beat for the series championship this year? Well, definitely um, Chip got one here that uh, it's talent. I heard from him way before uh, he's uh, joined uh, Ganassi. Uh, my my former engineer, which was uh, Raul Pat, Pat, Padres, from uh, from uh, IMSA, from the Acura team, Penske, they he was he knew the kid very well, and he always talking about this kid is good, this kid is good, and we exchanged some uh, uh, text message before um, uh, Alex and I and with the engineer because they're both from the same country, Spain. So um, I heard about it, and well, my engineer was right. Like all engineers, they they definitely knows who who are good or not, and. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, he signed with the right team, and he's showing now. Good for him. I'm, uh, I'm happy because IndyCar goes through that, you know, um, 
kind of like renew uh, generations. And uh, yeah, he has six more races or five more races to, uh, sorry, six more races to, to keep it going. And, but he has a team, he has a teammates and let's see what's going to happen. So looking forward to, uh, to race against him now with, um, in the street course. And for a lot of people who may not understand how the racing game works, if you could describe the strategy with the lapped cars in the closing laps of the Indianapolis 500, what it was, the reason what you were trying to do with them so that it would work for you and basically hinder his uh, efforts in trying to get up to you. Well, when I noticed um, my plan was to pass him on the last lap on the white flag, and uh, but when I noticed traffic coming, his car was really strong, uh, running by himself. I that was the only thing that I didn't have, um, which was the the speed that he has uh, by himself. But my car was extremely good to pass and stay in in at least one one and a half lap ahead of him. So that's why my plan was uh, to pass him on the last lap. Uh, however, when I saw traffic, I knew that deficit in my car would be uh, minimized because when you're behind other cars, you're, you have the, what you call draft, and that's where you start going faster. And, and that's what happened. So um, I increased the speed of my car. However, we did not expect to get that amount of traffic so quick I thought we were going to at the least get in turn three, but we didn't. We ended up getting turn one just just uh, uh, before the last lap. And um, and obviously, uh, uh, I just had to manage that, uh, make sure that I get on, have a good exit, and that's what I did. But the car was actually, even that, with that many laps on the tires, my car was incredible because I was able to stay behind those car, cars and probably would have passed them as well. However... I didn't need to. I knew what I need to do to just keep Alex behind, and that's what I did. And also, with three cars running together, it increases the speed of the third car, but doesn't it also create turbulence from that far back, any of the cars four, five, or six in a line? Right, yeah. Uh, whoever's staying behind, uh, as you're going further back, the turbulence increase, the car becoming more difficult to drive in high, in high speed. And, uh, and that's why, uh, we knew that I knew that was, unless I, uh, screw it up, it was, uh, there was nothing to do it, but I was so confident and so calm when I saw those traffic that I'm like, I, I use that to, uh, to help me and, and, and protect the victory. And finally, our final question with four-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver, Elio Castroneb, is the outpouring of emotion that you displayed and also that the fans displayed make this one of the greatest Indianapolis 500s in history. How do you describe the emotion that you not only felt as the winner, but to see what it meant to the fans? Yeah, I watched afterwards, and uh, let me tell you, it took a long time to watch it, actually, the full race, and afterwards, the, that emotion was uh, real. Um, that emotion was uh, came from the heart, and I was able to, and it was contagious, the fans' uh, respect and the emotion of the fans as well, seeing a four-time right in front of their eyes, was incredible. Uh, it, was, it was a mutual uh, uh, celebration they were celebrating i was celebrating it was uh 
it was incredible. Um, me running, I was not a, intended to do that. I still don't know why. I just want to, I was just so happy um, that we were able to accomplish something, uh, not only uh, for time, but with the new team and, and, and everything was falling into place. So incredible. I, that will definitely be my, uh, my favorite one. Well, he's certainly been a favorite of race fans throughout his career, and he'll go down in history as one of the most favorite drivers in Indianapolis 500 and in IndyCar history. Four-time Indy 500 winning driver, Elio Castroneves. Congratulations, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Rose. Great to talk to you again. As IndyCar heads into a summer break because its TV partner, NBC, is televising the Olympic Games from Tokyo, let's take a quick look at the standings with six races remaining in the season. Two-time winner Alex Pelot of Spain leads two-time winner Pato Award of Mexico by 39 points. Six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion Scott Dixon of New Zealand is third in points, 56 out of the lead. Mid-Ohio race winner Joseph Newgarden is fourth, 69 points behind the leader. Marcus Erickson of Sweden is fifth, 104 points out of first. Simon Pagano sixth, 113 points back. And Colton Herta is seventh, 124 points out of the lead. The next race on the IndyCar schedule is the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix on the streets of Nashville on August 8th. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank four-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver Elio Castroneves of Meyer Shank Racing for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at... Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, followed by underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.